Hi, I'm Erin Gallagher, Interim Executive Director of This Is My Brave, and we're so excited to present to you this season of Our Turn to Talk, a podcast featuring young people who understand how important it is to talk about mental health. At This Is My Brave, we know that storytelling saves lives. We hope that this podcast inspires you to be brave with us and to start brave conversations with your family and friends. Like that, it's very simple. Well, I'm about to put this hot water into this. Madarius Burgo is in his kitchen, heating water and mixing it with charcoal. Well, my ancestors would wear war paint. They said they gave them magical powers. The spiritualness of it gave them powers. It made them not afraid. So the warriors would wear colors on the way there and then put on the black war paint on the way back if they won. He mashes the charcoal into a paste with a mortar and pestle. I decided on black because it's the color of victory. It means you won. He smears the deep black paste and long streaks from his forehead across his eyelids down to his cheekbones. I put this war paint on to represent my victory in this battle. Every day, I have to wake up and decide to get up instead of staying in my bed. I choose to face the world. I'm done. I got some werewolf-looking ass eyes, dog. I'm here. I won the victory. But I gotta face it again tomorrow. Gotta face it again every day. This is our turn to talk. A place for young people like Madarius and me to have real conversations about mental health. I'm Anastasia Vlasova. I'm 19 and a freshman at NYU. Madarius is a poet and musician. He's 20 years old and lives in Mashpee, Massachusetts. I'm part of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe. I'm Native American, Puerto Rican, and African. So I got all the colors in me. But it is the Wampanoag traditions, like the war paint, that Madarius embraces as a way to strengthen his identity and his bond to his community. My native name, how to say it in my language, is Wananamai Konkonkia, which means the crow that speaks the truth. The crow that speaks the truth, or talking crow. I got the name from a medicine woman of ours. I call her Auntie Sherry. When I was younger, growing up, I used to ask my grandmother, what does that mean? Why do they call me Talking Crow? I honestly hated the name very much because the explanation she gave me wasn't too good. She said it was because I was black and I talked a lot, which you probably know that's true. I am black and I do talk a lot. But that wasn't really the meaning of it. As I grow older, I find out more and more every day what that really means to me and my personal being. And the crow is one of the smartest birds alive. So even though I talk a lot, what I say is worth the listen. In this episode, we hear the truth revealed to Madarius' experience and how he has come to embrace his namesake, Talking Crow, in the form of poetry and music. We'll also hear how his deepened interest in the Wampanoag culture was sparked by a tragic accident that forever changed him. It's what began his mental health journey and inspired his spiritual awakening. Madarius remembers his life in two parts, the before and the after. Before, Madarius said he was popular. You could ask anybody, I was always the happiest person. Even though life was hard, you still would always see me with a smile. 
always having fun, always making jokes, and sometimes playing pranks. There was this one time in school where for some reason I had the urge to pull the chair out for the teacher when she tried to sit down. It was in like kindergarten. And like she fell, I felt bad, but everybody was smiling. And I was like, I like making people smile. I got in trouble for that. But then, things quickly changed. After this accident, it was hard to smile. It wasn't really a good mood. It was more just like little spurts, little spurts of happiness. So it wasn't always a good mood like I used to always be in. The accident. Medarius was 14 and was dirt biking with his dad, who he didn't get to see very much growing up. I just wanted to spend time with him, if I'm being honest. I guess I was just down to do it, just to be with my father. We went on the path, and as we was going on the path, like, he was in front of me, so the dirt was, like, spurring in my eyes. I didn't have glasses. The dirt was spurring in my eyes from the, from the wheels, and that aggravated me. So I, like, went in front of him, and I was like, yo, stop, stop. Give me the glasses if you're going to be riding like that. He gave me the glasses. I started being ignorant. And, well, I just want to prove a point, like how it felt like to get the dirt in your eyes. Uh, I definitely did prove a point to somebody, but I don't know if it was him. And I just went as fast as I could the opposite direction. And there was a path, and it was kind of like a Y shape. Like, you can go straight, or you could take a right. But in the middle of that is like a ditch. It's pretty far down. So I tried to take a right, but... I was in the sand, so the sand like messed me up a little bit when I was turning and I went straight off like the top of it and I fell all the way into the ditch, which was a huge hole. And I hit the tree, I fell before the bike. The bike landed on top of me and it cracked my spine and punctured my lung. I broke my neck and I was just laying there for a long time. I couldn't move. That was, that was the crazy part. I couldn't move my legs. I couldn't feel my legs. But my arms still work. So I'm trying to tug the grass. I'm holding the grass, trying to pull myself forward as much as I can. I can't even budge. And I don't even know the bike's on my back because I can't look over my back to see the bike because I'm face down on the ground. So, after I start pulling and like nothing's happening, well, I laid there and I was just looking at the sky and just admiring how beautiful it was at that point. Thinking about who's gonna remember me like when I die, cause I was, I was pretty sure I was gonna die, cause it had been a long time. I was just sitting there like not thinking anybody was coming. So I, I accepted death by then. I thought about my my mother and my little sister, and I knew. Those would be a couple of the people who would always remember me every day. Who would always keep me with them every day, even if I wasn't here. And I knew that that's all I needed. After the accident, Madarius faced months of intensive care and medical procedures. But the recovery wasn't just physical. He also had to reorient his entire perception of his life and his expectations for the future. You can feel while you're in a coma. Like, my, I remember my grandmother told me a story. She, she was like, I knew you could hear me because I would talk to you and you would cry. 
with your eyes closed. You would just cry and you would try to break out. So I know I know I felt everything in the coma. But when I woke up, it was a shock. Like, how did I even get here? I was hopeful until one night the nurse walked in and she was like, you know you're never gonna be able to walk again, right? And like right there and then, like everything in me just lost all hope. Everything. Do you remember what kind of thoughts you were having? Like what was running through your head when the nurse told you that? All of them were very negative thoughts. They were um, deteriorating my soul like one by one. It was full blown depression to the point I didn't even think I had depression. (laughs) To the point that I just wanted to die. I didn't want to live. I wanted to live, but I didn't want to live like this. In that moment, Medarius knew his life was forever changed. He would be living his life in a wheelchair. The grief he felt made falling asleep each night hard, but waking up was even worse. I would wake up every single morning at 4.30 on the dot, like, on, like, I had a bell in my head that was like, beep, 4.30, wake up. And every morning I'd wake up at 4.30 and my stomach would just be feeling like, It's like getting like crushed or stabbed. And it was this horrible feeling. I had to look forward to that. It's like looking forward to getting your ass whooped by the school bully after school at three o'clock. And I don't even want to go to school no more. You know what I'm saying? So if you put that in like what I'm saying, it's like I don't even want to live no more because I gotta gotta wake up every morning at 4.30 and it's me. It's not even anybody else. This is nobody else's problem. It's in my head. I'm the reason why this is happening. Did you ever try therapy for this or talking to someone about what you were going through? I tried therapy once and it was the worst day ever. She asked me questions that you can ask me now and it won't phase me. But during that time, it brought me back to the moment. I was going crazy in my bed. I was going crazy. Medarius now knows what he was experiencing was PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. The dirt bike accident was physically horrific. It left him partially paralyzed. And mentally, he was reliving that shock and pain every single day, which is really common for the body and mind to do after a traumatic event. For Medarius, that turned into these anxiety attacks. I kept on having those anxiety attacks every morning at 4.30. I needed to get rid of them. They would make me want to hurt myself. And so he didn't really have any other choice but to ask for help and face his mental health. Eventually, about two years after the accident, he finally connected to a psychiatrist. I was a lot more open to it because psychiatry is not like therapy. He got Medarius talking for the first time and helped him a lot. And the dude was awesome. The dude who I have, I still have him. He's a really good dude. So what have you learned about your anxiety attacks and your mental health in general? You have to find a way to just live in the moment. You can't live in the past. If you live in the past, you die in the present. Perhaps as a reminder to live in the present, who Medarius is, is etched into his skin. He has several tattoos that remind him. He is Wampanoag, Puerto Rican, and the Talking Crow. My crow was the first tattoo I got. It's a crow, but it's wounded. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a crow with bandages wrapped around his wings. And when I saw that, I was just like, That's me, the crow that can't fly. The crow that can't fly, so that's why that was my first one. It's probably my favorite one.
Over the next couple of years, Medarius continued working with his psychiatrist, but he also turned to his community for guidance and wisdom through traditions and parables. I got a story though. It's a Native American story. It's about two wolves. And one wolf's the, the good wolf, which is like happiness, love. The next wolf is the bad wolf, which is like anger, depression, and jealousy. And the grandson asks his grandfather, he says, well, which one is stronger? And the grandfather's response is, the one you feed. It, it makes so much sense. Like, an animal only gets strong when you feed it. If you don't feed the animal for a long time, it gets super skinny and it'll die. So if you don't feed the bad wolf, then it'll die eventually. Coming up, we will hear how Medarius uses music and poetry as a coping mechanism. What made it possible for me to smile again? It was definitely lyrics, like words, raps. But that was a long road down to get to that. I'm Anastasia Lasova. More after this short break. Hi, Erin Gallagher from This Is My Brave Again. Whenever I meet young people who are sharing their stories, I feel even more empowered to do the work that I do. If this inspires you too, I want to tell you how you can get involved with us at This Is My Brave. Are you a college student? Our Brave Ambassador program is a student-led movement to create a safe space for yourself and your peers to talk about mental health and to break down barriers on your campus. And teens, if you feel like this is your turn to talk, check out our website for opportunities to share your story, including how to participate in our next national teen show. Go to thisismybrave.org for more information. So this is my powwow grounds. On a late afternoon in June, Medarius rolls across a field next to the Mashpee Wampanoag Government Center. All around here, this is where I grew up as a kid, coming here every single year with all the tents, the drums. They cut down a lot of trees around here. I think they cut down the tree I stuck my first knife in when I was seven years old. The elders are conducting a healing fire for anyone in the community to attend. So, the healing fire. Mmm, you can feel it. You can smell the fire, you feel the bass of the drums. When you bring a lot of people to one place and do one specific thing, it manifests a lot of energy all together. You just show up, have faith, come in good spirits, and leave with better spirits. Excuse me, Auntie. I'm good, how are you? Auntie Marlene Lopez is the mother of the rabbit clan and a tribal elder, one of several unofficial aunts within the tribe. She's preparing the healing fire at the center of a circle, a concept both physical and metaphorical in nurturing the spirit. That spirit sought us. We didn't seek the spirit. So we have to take care of that spirit. So we just, it's very important for your mind to think in a healthy place and not think that you're worthless because your spirit is worth something. That's your mind that's telling you you're not worth something. But you are worth something or you wouldn't be here. We're all here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. So it isn't our right to take that purpose away. It was given to us. So you have to respect that and nurture it, take care of it. Spirit is, is the center of your being. Sometimes we just need to come together, hear the drumming. You know, we got some food and we have a prayer circle. 
Naomi Fry is the peer recovery specialist for the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe and one of the Healing Fire organizers. Like Some of them sometimes will do a poem because that helps them throughout their uh, recovery. So we, I just try to pull out what their gifts are and let them go ahead and start and do that. And then we just letting everybody know that we're here as a tribe, we're here for each other and uh, because that's where strength is. This is a message underscored by the tribe's medicine man, Soaring Eagle, who is talking to everyone here. Four of you are struggling. Our hearts, the elders' hearts, the clan mother's hearts, and all of us are with you. So if there's any time that you need someone just to want to talk to somebody, because that's very, very important. There's a lot of people out there in the world that do not have what we have. And we as Native people really should appreciate that. So I ask that you please start looking inside yourselves to who you are as a Wampanoag person. And where you do, you do have a place in the circle amongst the people. And I, we need you to understand that. We miss you in the circle. And let me tell you, young folks and all, An invitation to return to the circle, a place to remember, bond, and heal. Madarius exits the healing fire circle and rolls across the grassy field to his car. The thing about fire and smoke to Native Americans, we believe that since it touches the sky and it goes all the way up into the heavens, that our ancestors can hear our messages and hear our prayers through it. Yeah. I believe in it. Very, very healing. A very healing experience. In earlier episodes of Our Turn to Talk, other guests have talked about the importance of having a coping mechanism, something to distract them from unhealthy patterns or behaviors. For Madarius, it's writing and music. It just gets me on my head. It gets me thinking other thinking bad thoughts, stuff that'll make me upset sad, depressed. You're not even thinking about that. It's like, oh, what can I write next? What's the next thing I'm going to say? He was fortunate enough to have started early. Well, I started rhyming in sixth grade. I kept on rhyming, kept on rhyming. Started freestyling in seventh grade, eighth grade. We would rap battle and all that. And then I got in an accident. I didn't want to do nothing. Madarius says he couldn't even listen to music, let alone make it. He stopped writing. He stopped singing and rapping. He couldn't find the joy in anything. A couple years down the line, I, I found my, my love for music back, and I realized I didn't have to stand up to do it. Like, I couldn't play lacrosse no more. I couldn't play football no more. I couldn't play no sports. But I could still, I could still talk. You know what I mean? I could still say something. So I don't even think we would be talking right now if it wasn't for music. I got all the equipment set up, so I just need to like, get the microphone on a Friday afternoon, Adarius arrives at his friend Mark Turner's house to work on some new music. Back in late 2020, they formed a hip-hop duo. I've been working out. Mark picks up Madarius in his arms and carries him from the car all the way down the stairs to Mark's home studio setup in the basement. Mark also lives in Mashpee. He's 18 and goes by the rapper name Rock Dicey. All right, you ready to hear this? I'm not saying. Mm-hmm. 
Same thing for the second verse. There's a lot of things I can't feel because I'm paralyzed. I can't feel the ground that's under my feet. But music, I can feel it. It tingles in my body. I can feel it like shower me in magicness. All right, you want to spill what you got? Today got to be a good one. Yesterday was a catastrophe. Are you awake, your majesty? Yes, I respond happily. Glad to be. Smile full of pain and agony. Tragically, radically, magically. <laughs> this is that's crazy. Trag Tragically, radically, magically, I'm spitting passionately. So, uh, what? <laughs> this song, you're being super lyrical on this song. I'm being lyrical on every song, son. Yeah, but this is like super, yeah, super lyrical. Yeah, I've never been in it. Like all together. If you need to once. save that verse for another song, then I don't blame you, cause that's. Super so I start writing. Sometimes I I don't know what to, what I'm writing about. Sometimes it's just random stuff. Like I got mad random rhymes just to rhyme with my friends and stuff when we cipher freestyle. Today was a killer, yesterday was a catastrophe. Are you awake, your majesty? Yes, I respond happily. Glad to be face full of pain and agony. But when it's like for a specific reason, every word has to mean something, not just me, but to you. This for the weak who don't know how to speak. Born 2002, January 18th. Hey, like most of the season's guests, Madarius performed in the This Is My Brave national show. Here's part of his performance. Word from the great, never put fear on faith. Let me see, making a change, hear from your heart, there's something that will go through your brain. Let me explain, I'm prepared for the worst, hope for the best. Every Sunday headed to church, trying to find peace on this earth. During my quest, tussled with death, come back the best. Madarius, Maxa, must. The first name I was given. You've clearly been through so much, and I know you said you wouldn't be here if it weren't for music. What else gives you the courage to keep going forward, keep healing, and make the most out of life despite what you've been through? It's more about the inner strength than the outer strength in most cases in life. It doesn't always go to the faster, stronger man, but in the end, sooner or later, it goes to the man who thinks he can. And thinking you can is not, nothing to do with how strong you are, how fast you are. It's, it's who, it's who you are. Yo, in school, they don't even teach you about the spirit. They just say you're made of energy, particles, atoms. You're nothing. I don't believe none of that. You just gotta believe in yourself. Heaven is what you make it. It's today, right now. Like, if you want to live a heavenly life, you have to go through hell sometimes to do that. Sometimes you got to know what the dark is to see the light. Come back the best, Medarius, Maxa, must the first name I was given. If I told you I'm a god, would you think that I'm kidding? Yeah, well me too. I ain't got no religion. Ain't Muslim or Christian. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Our Turn to Talk. And thank you so much to Medarius for taking the time to share his story. To hear more from Medarius and our other incredible teens, Search This Is My Brave National Teen Show on YouTube. Just like Madarius uses poetry and raps to get him out of his head, our next Our Turn to Talk guest also found healing through writing about his experiences. So I wrote a poem, and it sort of takes the form of a letter to my mental illness. Kind of a breakup letter or a declaration of independence, I guess. Because we can't just write, hey, mental illness, it isn't me, it's you. That doesn't work. But I imagined, hey, something like that, what if it did? If you're a young person, we'd love to hear from you. What's your story? You can go to OurTurnToTalk.com to share. Okay, so maybe you're not ready to share your story, but maybe you have a question for us. 
We will be answering your questions in an upcoming Our Turn to Talk episode. No filters, no shame. Submit your question on our website, OurTurnToTalk.com. Our Turn to Talk is a production of Principal Pictures. We believe in the power and impact of storytelling through podcasts and films to build empathy and inspire change. Season 1 is a partnership with This Is My Brave, an organization using performing arts to fight the stigma around mental health challenges and addiction. I've been very proud to intern there for the past two years. A very special thanks to Executive Director Aaron Gallagher and Program Manager Katie Grana. Check out thisismybrave.org. This episode includes content courtesy of the WETA Wellbeings Youth Mental Health Project. Learn more at wellbeings.org and join the conversation with hashtag wellbeings. This episode of Our Turn to Talk was produced and edited by Patrice Howard, Megan Botel, and Mitch Hanley. Beth Murphy and Jennifer Marshall are our executive producers. Additional support in the field and in the studio from Hannah McEachern, Ed Kashi, and Ben Kolak. Support for Our Turn to Talk is provided by the Hollister Confidence Fund, the Hershey Company, Rosemary Van Otterloo, and the Russa Fund of the Community Foundation of Greater Washington. I'm Anastasia Lasova, and I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone. Erin Gallagher again. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Our Turn to Talk. Are you inspired by what you heard today? Are you ready to share your own story about your mental health journey? If yes, here's how you can do it. Go to thisismybrave.org and select Share Your Story. We can't wait to hear your brave.